0: sir thank you again pastor and thank you again church it's been a privilege to be here with you and i mean that i, I appreciate pastor and mrs Lou Allen, miss bethany their fellowship brother dustin today uh, the meals have been outstanding and uh, all i can say is is never heard of dump cake before i got here but i will never forget it amen that's all i can tell you Amazing what you learn when you go to different places around America, but dump cake is now in my vocabulary, and uh, my wife and I had a good discussion about that this afternoon, and so uh, uh, praise the Lord knowing the the way my wife loves me. She might just fix that someday. Amen, and so uh, praise the Lord for that. Um, I I wanted to give you one other update this morning or this evening with our ministry that's, that's an exciting addition to our ministry, one that we we're not really expecting i can't say uh, uh it wasn't something that we'd never thought about but it really was not on our radar uh, say eight ten years ago but it is now uh, a few years back we had a number of some of the larger cities in america have chaplains um, uh, first responder chaplains police chaplains fire department chaplains emts things like that and a number of these were approaching us because they valued our training they liked the Uh, the the training that we offer for chaplains and so forth. And uh, they approached Brother Morrison, our director at All Points Baptist Mission, uh, about this. And, of course, at the time, our initial thought was, boy, that's, that's a novel idea. It'd be a great idea. Nothing wrong with that ministry. But we just didn't feel ready with the resources yet. And then a couple of years ago, this was thrust upon us when a young man named Jason Wilhelm, who was the assistant pastor at the Bible Baptist Temple in Stonewood, West Virginia, a young man that we've known for a long time, almost uh, watched him grow up, you might say, a little bit. Certainly grew up in the church and has been assistant pastor there for the last seven years. God called him to be a hospital chaplain. Well, the new requirements, I uh, say new, they're just a few years old, for hospital chaplains is very similar now to military chaplains. They have to have an endorser, uh, such as ourselves, they, uh, of like faith. They have to have the, uh, the master's degree. And other ministry requirements, they have to have what's called CPEs, which is just an acronym for clinical pastoral education. In other words, they have to actually spend time in the hospital learning to become a hospital chaplain, sort of interning, if you will, under, under a chaplain. And, and what we begin to find is across America is that there is a desperate need, and I think that's, uh, that's almost understating the case, a desperate need for godly chaplains in our hospitals. Now you think about it. You're, you're talking about people who are about to go out into eternity. You're talking about grieving families or families that are gathered around the sick, hoping they will recover. You're talking about people that in many cases are thinking about their eternity in a way they may not otherwise have not thought of it. And what we found was, is that if I told you some of the stories of some of the things that these hospital chaplains were telling people just before they went off into eternity, you would be appalled. And appalled as doesn't even begin to tell the story of some of the things we were telling people that were... And so, so long story short, God brother called Brother Jason Wilhelm to do this. And his pastor uh, agreed to it. And uh, we interviewed Brother Wilhelm and decided to go this direction. Next week, he will graduate with his master's degree. He's already completed his CPE credits uh, through hospitals in Morgantown, West Virginia. And in August, his family will be moving from West Virginia to Springfield, Missouri, to the Mercy Hospital in Springfield, Missouri, where he will take up his first residency. uh, And he will do so as an all-points Baptist mission chaplain. So this is exciting to us to branch out into a brand new field. uh, And uh, now my focus will still be on the military. I'm not going anywhere, amen. Uh, But to have this opportunity To take the gospel of Jesus Christ to people in such need in our hospitals. People that are hurting. uh, People that are literally watching their loved ones pass into eternity. Many who are not saved on their deathbed. You know that. And listen, it doesn't matter to me if they get saved when they're six years old or they get saved when they're 90 and taking their last breath. Amen? Heaven's just as real. Just ask the thief on the cross. Amen? And so what a tremendous thing it is to give the gospel to someone and watch them actually receive Christ as their Savior in their final moments. And we now have a part of this ministry. And you all are uh, indirectly a part of that ministry, you might say. So we're excited about that. And you pray as this grows. We have no idea where this is going. You say, Brother Ferris, how in the world are you going to manage such a thing? That would be a better question for Brother Morrison. But I know what Brother Morrison would say. I have no idea. <laughs> I, have no, I just know God's in this. Amen. Amen. God has told us to get the gospel to every creature. Isn't that right? Don't get cold on me now. That, that's, that, that command was given to the church. Last thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven is that ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, why will we receive power? Why would we do that? So we can flop around on the floor like a half-dead fish and say, hoo-ha, blah No, not hardly. He said, You receive, shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you that ye may be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem, for you that's Osawatomie, Kansas, and in Judea, that's the rest of your surrounding area, and in Samaria, that's the forgotten peoples of the world, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. That command was given to the church. God didn't give that command to any other entity. Now, I want to say something, and I want you to think long and hard on this. In 2022, there is only one entity through which the Holy Spirit works, the local church. Some of you, I'm not sure, really heard that. There is only one entity through which the Holy Spirit works, the local church. It doesn't work through the moose or the chickens or the purple ducks. He works through the local church. Now, I'm not against community organizations and and, and some of the good community things they do. But God did not call us to be a humanitarian organization. Now, that doesn't mean we can't do humanitarian things. We have a missionary right now, Brother Jonathan Skeen, who is in the Ukraine. God has called him to Russia. He is in the Ukraine right now. To date, to date... If you go on All Points Baptist Mission website, you'll see there's a place you can give to this. Over three hundred, excuse me, $300,000 has been given to All Points Baptist Mission, which goes to the Skeen family for the purpose of buying food and blankets, medical supplies to meet the needs of the Ukrainian people. Oh, by the way, we're giving them the gospel while we do it. Amen. Praise God. So if we can do some humanitarian work along the way, fine. But that's not the purpose of the church. Amen. And so uh, uh, I don't want you to think we're anti-humanitarian. We're not. We're for it. But the primary focus is the gospel. And so God is using this uh, greatly. And you all are a part of this ministry. And I wanted to share that with you. God is doing much in these last days. Don't think for a minute as you see what's going on, as the world seems to be falling apart around us, that God is not in complete control of all that's going on. Amen. Complete control. You think any of this caught by God by surprise? You think God is sitting in heaven right now saying, Oh, my soul, man, is in a mess. What do I do now? Oh, no. Jesus told us this was coming. He told us that in the last days they shall not be able to endure sound doctrine. Go with me to churches across America. The Sunday night attendance is about half of the Sunday morning attendance in most churches. And the Wednesday night attendance is almost gone. In a lot of churches across America. Because we'd rather do anything than do something for God. Boy, that's mean, isn't it? Isn't that mean-spirited for a preacher to say that? I'm saying to you, church, I'm speaking to the hope of America. The hope of America is not on Capitol Hill. It's on Calvary's Hill. Amen? Amen. And if we're going to have revival in America, it's going to be because the people that I'm speaking to right now and churches like this one across America respond to the preaching of the Word of God. For God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that would believe. Paul said, I came not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be none of effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them which perish foolishness. A lot of people out there tonight right outside of these doors think what's going on in here is a bunch of foolishness. For the preaching of the cross of Christ is to them that perish foolishness, but unto we which are saved, it is the power of God. Now, my friend, we are in the times when Jesus is about to split the eastern sky. We just sang the verse, Lord, haste the day when my face shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. In this cemetery back yonder, if you're here and Jesus descends... Those that are saved, that redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, that are buried in this cemetery, and cemeteries like it, you're going to watch their graves bust wide open. Because the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. That is soon, folks. Now, if you knew you was going on the vacation of a lifetime, I mean the dream vacation of your lifetime. And you knew that you were leaving on, let's just pick a day, March the 20th. You know what you'd be doing between now and March the 20th? You'd be making your list. And the closer you got, the more, uh, uh, the more studious that you would be, the more diligent you would be about completing everything on your list. I mean, who's going to shut the electric off? Let's have the mail stopped. Um, what are we going to do about Who's going to take care of the dogs, amen? And you'd have this list of all these things getting ready to go. Shouldn't we as Christians, knowing we're going home for all eternity, amen, you're about to leave this world of sin, if you're here and saved by God's grace. We need to be prepared, church. We need to be prepared. Well, speaking of that, I want to be a help to you tonight. I'd ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. A very familiar event in the Bible that took place, for which with many of you could probably tell the story. We're not going to retell the story tonight by any means. We just want to take a magnifying glass look at one little section of this. But you know what's going on in Daniel chapter 3. There was a king called Nebuchadnezzar who reigned over Babylon. And of course, when they finally took Judah captive, the Babylonians at this time were the most powerful nation on all the earth. And Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful king in all the earth. Daniel had seen a vision, in fact, of a, of a statue of a man, and the head was made of gold. and We know that was the Babylonian empire. We know that the chest and the arms were made of silver. We know that that was the dual kingdom of the Medians and the Persians, which came after the Babylonians. We know that the, the uh, uh, stomach and the girded part was made of brass. That was the Greek empire of Alexander the great, great, described clearly in the book of Daniel. We know that the legs that were made of iron, which are the divided Roman empire, the Eastern Greek Orthodox side and the Western Roman Catholic side. And the final part, which we're experiencing right now, is the feet mixed with iron and clay, and the soon coming kingdom of the Antichrist. And Daniel saw a vision that something made without hands crushed that statue to powder. We know that's the Lord Jesus Christ. When he returns again to this earth after the seven years of tribulation and sets his feet upon the Mount of Olives, where he will rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. That's right, I hate to hair lip the world, but a Jew's gonna reign on this earth for a thousand years. Doesn't that just make you mad? me. Happens to be my Savior. But in Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar gets full of himself. And he decides, just like any king of this world would do today, I think I'm going to build a huge statue to himself. In fact, the statue that he built, we are told, is well over 90 feet tall. An amazing, colossal statue. Made of the most precious gold and And ornaments that they could find. And Nebuchadnezzar since I'm the most powerful king and the most powerful nation of all the earth. And Daniel had told him, you are that head of gold, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar gets full of himself and says, I'm going to make a statue. And I'm going to make the world. He's a type of the Antichrist, by the way. He got control of the financial system. Better watch it. Ever heard of a thing called digital currency? Oh, it's coming very soon. There'll be no checks. There'll be no cash. And someone will know every dime you spend through digital currency. And Nebuchadnezzar had control of all that. He had control of the most powerful army on earth. And he told everyone, at what time you hear the sound of the rock music, and that's what it was, as you heard all of this mixture of cornet and harp and sackbut and and, and psaltery and dulcimer and all kinds of music, you were to bow down and worship this image. If you didn't worship it, you were going to die. Now that's a fact. The most powerful king on all the earth has established this. And everyone knew they were going to have to bow. Now many today would say, I dare say even some professing Christians would say, well, okay, what's the harm in that? I mean, all we're doing is bowing. God knows my heart after all. You follow me? But there were three Hebrew boys who didn't bow. Now, I want to preach this tonight, and God will not allow it, but let me say this. The word worship means, and and, and this church is what we've got to get back to in America. The word worship literally means, in the Hebrew, if you want to look it up, or anything else for that matter, the word worship means to prostrate oneself in order to give homage to a deity. That's what the word worship means. The Muslims have the Baptists whipped all to death on this one. And think about it. They worship a false god who is dead. Muhammad is still in the tomb. My god got up the third day. How about you? But they at least understand one thing. Worship means to bow. And how many services am I in Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night revival meetings across America where the pews stay full, the altar stays empty, Oh, we're singing, and singing's good. Praise is good, but praise is not worship. It's not the same thing. Giving is good, but giving is not worship. Praying is good, but praying is not worship. Praying means, and I can prove this to you from Genesis to Revelation, anytime you find anybody worshiping God, they're on their face. That's why everywhere Abraham went, he built an altar. You with me, church? Don't look at me like you're lost now. I want to be a help to you tonight. But these three Hebrew boys didn't bow. They didn't worship. How do you know they didn't worship? They didn't bow. They played the music and they didn't. Everybody else bowed, but they didn't. You with me now? Now that's where we are and we pick up the story in verse number 14 of chapter 3. If you have that and you're able, would you please stand to honor the reading of God's word Daniel chapter 3, beginning in verse number 14. We're just going to read a few verses, make our prayer, and then I'll have you seated. The Bible says, Nebuchadnezzar, verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Now re- remember, their ne- real names were Hananiah, Azariah, amen, and Meshila. But Nebuchadnezzar had changed their names to give them Babylonian names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, Ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now, I want to focus our attention tonight on the very end of verse 17 and the first three words of verse 18. They say, just read the whole verse 17 just so we have context. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And He will deliver us out of thine hand, O King, But if not, I want to preach to you for a few minutes on those three words. We know God is able, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No, he's able. They said so. But if not, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Victory Baptist Church. Lord, they have been very kind to me. The the fellowship has been good. The spirit has been sweet. Lord, they have taken care of me. They have lodged me, fed me, and I appreciate that and the kindness of these dear folks and Pastor Lou Allen and his sweet wife and family. But now, Lord, for a few minutes, we need help. Holy Spirit, our faith in these days is being shaken on every hand. We need you to strengthen us, Lord, for without you, we already know we can do nothing. Would you increase our faith tonight, Lord? You said in your word that faith cometh by hearing And hearing by the word of God. And we use that verse oftentimes for people that are lost. And well, we should. But that verse is actually for the saved. How are we going to increase our faith? Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Increase our faith tonight for Jesus Christ's sake. In whose lovely and wonderful and holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you, church. You may be seated. I want to try to be a help to you tonight, church, especially with all that's going on, and it's going to continue to get crazy. As I said this morning, how many times have we said in the last couple of years, never dreamed I'd see that in my lifetime, and you're going to keep saying it. For in the days to come, you're about to see things that are going to shock you beyond your imagination. As Jesus Christ shows his hand and reveals not only is he coming soon, Somebody asked me, how soon? I don't even buy green bananas anymore. Amen. I believe he's coming soon. Bless God. Praise God. He's coming soon. And his people ought to act like it. Now, it should give us a great sense of excitement. Because Lord haste the day when my face shall be sighted and the clouds be rolled back. It's going to be a wonderful time. And there will be no more sickness. And there will be no more death. And there will be no more sorrow. And there'll be no more pain. There'll be no more saying goodbye at the graveside of loved ones. Amen. There'll be no more devil chasing your family and my family. And, and, and tempting us to sin. There'll be no more thought of sin. For the former things will be passed away as Jesus Christ himself wipes the tear from every eye. I'm looking forward to that day, aren't you? And it's going to be soon. But until then... He's asked us to be faithful. So not only should His coming give us a sense of excitement, it should also give us a very keen sense of urgency. For the time is short. And I don't know about you, but I have lost loved ones. Now, I don't believe we're going to be there at the great white throne judgment, but what an awful thing it would be to watch loved ones, people that I dearly love and that you dearly love with all of your heart, being cast into hell. And you hear the screams of the doomed and the damned. You listen to me, church? That's real. And that's coming for all who have not trusted Jesus Christ. Some would say, well, I'll just get saved during the tribulation period. No, you won't. The Bible says you won't. For God will send those who did not believe the truth strong delusion that they shall believe a lie. And you will not get saved during the tribulation period. Will not. So what we do, we must do quickly, church. And your faith is at stake, just as these three Hebrew boys. Now, I want to set the stage for you. There was something that these three Hebrew boys do. Now, remember, when the Babylonians first took Judah uh, uh, captive, they did what any nation would do. They took the very best, the smartest, the most educated, the highest
1: quality of the Judean people, and they brought them to Babylon be there to help be their scientists. You know, some of the greatest scientists in all the world, around the world, in Russia and other places are Jews. Somehow the world knows God's given them something special He didn't give to them. And by the way, Israel is still God's people.
0: Can I remind you that? They're still the apple of God's eye. You want to watch the hammer of God's judgment come upon America, just turn your back on Israel, brother. That's the last straw. Amen? You just don't mess with God's people. And so, these nations would take the very best and most educated of whom were four men in particular, Daniel, whom they named Belteshazzar, or they named Daniel, his, his, his Jewish name was Belteshazzar, and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These were men who were learned in Jewish law. Now, there were two things that these men absolutely knew right now at these verses we just read in Daniel 3, verses 14 through 18. They knew the very first of the commandments is. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And they knew that the second commandment. They knew it clearly. They could teach it to you. They knew the second commandment was. Thou shalt not make any graven images. Neither shalt thou bow down thyself to worship them. They knew that. So there was what they knew. But then there was what they saw. Nebuchadnezzar is the most powerful king on earth. You're bound and guarded by powerful soldiers. There's no getting out of this. They know they're about to be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace and meet a horrific death. They know that. Sometimes in life, church, and what we see a lot of going on around
1: America today, and on your eleven o'clock news, and I don't recommend you spend a whole lot of time watching that. Amen. Unless you
0: just have depression pills sitting right next to you, nightstand, because you'll certainly.
1: After watching
0: the 11 o'clock news. Turn that
1: stuff off and get your Bible and find out what's going on. By the way, the most up-to-date book in
0: all the whole world is that Bible. Right. Amen? There's questions in there. I count over 30 questions in the 38th chapter of the book of Job that scientists still cannot answer today. There is no more up-to-date book than the Bible. Want to know what's going on? Get in here. And you'll find out exactly what's going on and why. And it'll bring comfort in your heart and peace and increase your faith. So there was what the Hebrew boys knew. If we bow, that's direct disobedience to God's word. But there was what they saw. If we don't bow, we're going to die a horrible death. Christian friend, there's much that you see today that perplexes you. And what you see sometimes brings you into conflict with this book. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Amen. Well, of course, we pray for God to deliver us, just as they did. Now, let's state a simple fact: Should the government come in and say we're going to close up all the houses of worship and and, and uh, we're going to shut the preachers down? We can't have any more of this hateful uh, uh, abortion killing music going on. We can't have that anymore. And we're going to shut all this down. Listen to the church because well, this is real. This is happening. Your pastor's about to come under attack. You better start praying and preachers that you support around the nation so there's what you see going on which troubles you but there's what you know jesus is coming again those are facts here's the message tonight very simple message i could say this and we can go home but wait just a minute i got a couple points i want to give you amen
1: Let me repeat that, child of God. Let that sink in deep. You don't have to see the outcome,
0: the outcome. I said this morning, I don't know what's going to happen with the stock market, with COVID, and with government, and who's going to win the next election. I can't. I'm not a prophet nor a son of a prophet. I can't tell you with any certainty any of those things. But what I can tell you with all certainty is that Jesus Christ is coming again. Amen. That ought to encourage you. Now, I want you to hold your finger in Daniel 3, and we're going to go a couple other places. We'll come back to Daniel 3, hold your finger there. Go with me to Romans chapter 8 first. Let's just establish a fact that we can sink deep into our hearts. Message tonight is really for the child of God. Romans chapter number 8. Now, the verses that we're about to read, the Bible asks some questions. And church, I want to encourage you to do something in your Bible study if you're not already doing so. Anytime the Bible asks a question, answer it. But here's the caveat: Always answer it with more Bible. Not with Dr. Tickling's symbol and sounding Brass's commentary. OK? Don't look that up. He doesn't know either. Amen? You don't believe that. Just spend some time in commentaries. Which are written by commentators. Commentators. Think about that. You might have some fun. Amen. And if you go to some of the most difficult passages in the Bible. You know what you find when you go to the commentators? They had trouble with it too. (laughs) They don't know either. They tell some really funny stories sometimes. that will really make you laugh. But what I'm saying to you is. Is anytime the Bible asks a question. Child of God answer it. But the caveat is. Answer it with more Bible. Be careful because in most cases, as in the case we're about to read, the answer is usually given in the next verse. Not always. Sometimes you got to do a little digging. But it's almost always in the next verse. Watch what I'm talking about. Romans chapter 8 verse 35. Starts with a question. Here's the question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Paul's talking to Christians here, just like I'm talking right now. Let's answer the question, church. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who? Come on. Tell me. Who? Anybody got any idea? Anybody got any clue? Simple answer. And the Bible answers it. No one can ever separate me. I'm about to have a Baptocostal spell. Amen. No one can ever separate me from the love of my Savior. Ever. Right. Now let me give you a simple fact. Because sometimes as Christians, we don't always live the way we should and poor living. Listen to me.
1: Poor living leads to poor assurance. Right. You know the people that I find doubt their salvation the most are a lot of times Christian people who aren't living like they should for God. And poor living leads to poor assurance mm-hmm. and doubt their salvation. Move yeah. the church. Yeah. So I don't have like to see the outcome. i don't the outcome. Who's from the love of Christ? Nobody. Think about this fact, child of God. Let me put it to you this way: my earthly father in life, his full name—no kidding—was John Wayne Ferris. That was his name. Now, he was born long before the actor John Wayne ever came along, so he wasn't named after. That just happened to be his name. Uh, there were other people in the family that had the name John and Wayne, and put them together. And so, the fact is, my father passed away in 2008. His name is John Wayne Ferris. Now, here's where I'm getting at. I can decide I don't like my father. I can disown myself from my father. I can change my religion. I can change my name. I can change my facial appearance. I can move to another country. I can claim I never knew him. But nothing, nothing, I say nothing,
0: can ever change the fact that forever my physical father on earth is Can't
1: change that. Can't change that. says, one of my favorite verses of all, See him as he is. Right. I don't know what that looks like, but I don't have to see the outcome to know the outcome. Right. Here's my point. We said, who can separate us from the love of God? Now, there are two things you need to realize as a Christian, just like with my father. With my father, there were times, especially as a teenage boy, when I thought I knew everything. Yeah. That is how ignorant your parents are, when you went to church. The 18, 19, 20, so I was like that. And there were times when I broke my daddy's heart. You see, there is sonship and there is fellowship. There are times because of my stupidity when, Pastor, I broke fellowship with my father. It wasn't his sweet. restored. I hope you're not alone. That's the sum of ourselves. suffering. There are many times, child of God, we get out of His will, and we mess up with our blessings and spirits. Again, it's going to happen. You can break fellowship. me from the love
0: of god the answer is nothing now we're going to get back to the hebrew three hebrew boys and tie this together in just a minute but i want you to see that Uh, look at the rest of the verse who shall separate us from the love of christ shall tribulation no or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. So what's the answer, Brother Ferris? It's given in verse 37. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able, there's the answer, to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible just answered its own question as it always does. What can ever
1: separate you from the love of Christ? Think about that for just a minute. Regardless of the tragedy or the trial, the tribulation through you're going and I'm not minimizing nor would I for one moment the pain in which it causes you and the grief that you and I go through and the tears as we lay upon our beds and we cry upon our pillow and beg God and I promise you those three Hebrew boys saw what they were about to face but there's what you see and then there's what you
0: know and what I know is tonight I don't know how bad it's going to get church but I know this nothing Nothing can ever separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. And you wonder why I shout. Brother, that's something to be, that's breaking news tonight. I'm getting so tired of that term. Brother, if somebody sneezes, a congressman sneezes, it's breaking news. Like I care. Amen. You want to hear breaking news you won't hear at 11 o'clock tonight? I'll tell you what. Extra, extra, read all about it. God so loved the world He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. I think that's good news. And the three Hebrew boys there was what they saw but there was what they knew. God loved them. And God was able to deliver in them. And look at the statement that they made in verse 18 of that chapter 3 that we read. But if not, even if God chooses not to deliver us. Know this, O King. We ain't bowing. That's West Virginia. I just added that in. We ain't bowing. You with me, church? So the question I have for you tonight is. Is what you see. What you and I see going on around us right now. Troubles us. And it should. If you care anything about that flag. And I do. And I know your pastor does. And I know many of you do. What's going on should trouble you. But there's what, they, what we see. And there's what we know. Oh. <laughs> and what I know. Supersedes anything I see going on around me. Now. I want to talk to you about your faith for just a few minutes tonight. Give you a couple of quick things and we'll go home. Number one, I feel the same way. I have that effect on people. I feel the same way, buddy. Why me? Isn't he done yet? Praise God. Number one tonight. I want you to see faith's expectation. Now you still have your finger in Daniel 3. I want you to now go to Hebrews 11. Hebrews eleven faith's Hall of Fame, as we call it, face expectation now we're going to flip back and forth for a few minutes between Daniel three and Hebrews eleven, so keep your finger in both places because I want you to see this faith's expectation. The three Hebrew boys could see there's no way out of this, and how many times have you looked on your news recently and thought to yourself? We have passed the point of no return in America. And I believe we're close on the precipice. We can still have revival by God's grace because the Holy Spirit is able. Amen. I believe that. But if not. If God chooses to bring his hand of judgment upon America and we're already beginning to see it. Amen. You think weather patterns have been bad the last 15 years. Wait and see what's coming. And the global warming morons will be coming out of the woodwork. Oh, it's climate change. They should stick their head in a bucket three times and pull it out twice. It, some of you haven't gotten that yet, and that worries me. It is the apex of man's arrogance to believe he can control the weather. I had a lady challenge me on this a couple of years ago, and she said, Brother Ferris, would you not acknowledge that weather patterns, would you deny that weather patterns have, have gotten more serious the last 15 years. I said, not only would I not deny it, I would acknowledge it. Now let me ask you a question. Do you not understand that God uses weather to judge people and nations? Have you ever heard of the flood? I can show you global warming in Jeremiah chapter 10 that blows away anything you're seeing right now, 2,500 years before the first combustion engine was ever even thought. The Bible says God controls the wind and the rain and it comes out of his treasuries and the weather you see if it becomes harsh on America is only because we're bringing the hand of God's judgment upon us well that went over like a lead balloon I want you to notice in faith's expectation first of all they were devoted now you've got your hand in Hebrews 11 but go back to Daniel 3 and we'll flip back and forth I want you to see this first in verse 16 I want you to see their devotion after after Nebuchadnezzar demanded that they bow and worship, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 16, answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Did you see that? We don't have to think about that. I don't need to text you later, Nebuchadnezzar. I'm ready to answer you right now. We ain't bowing. Now, where did that kind of devotion come from? There's what they see... But there's what they knew, and what they knew from God's word overcame what they saw with their eyes. Listen to me, faith expectation is devotion, even when it looks like the outcome's not going to be in your favor. Amen. Faith expectation, the devotion. You see, what happened was is we have three men who fear God. More than they listen to me now, more than they fear nonconformity to social tolerance. They feared God more than they feared nonconformity to popular opinion. They feared God more than they feared nonconformity to so called science. They feared God more than they feared nonconformity, even knowing. The personal cost they were about to die are you listening to me church faith's expectation is realizing you don't have to see the outcome to know the outcome it's going to happen brother ferris i know this god is not going to allow his church to go through the tribulation period he's going to spare us church from the wrath to come you better know he's coming soon Because the Antichrist is going to soon be revealed. And before that happens, those of us who are saved by God's grace will be taken out of this world. Those that are left behind, I feel very sorry for them for their end is doom and damnation. You listen to me, church? There's what we see and it troubles us and it should. But there's what we know. Jesus is control. What's going on is exactly what he said was going on, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, more concerned about entertainment and the comforts of this life than anything God has to say. Does that sound like 2022? You don't believe that? Read Timothy, where it says, In the last days, perilous times shall come. And he lists 20 things in that list. Tell me we're not living in those days. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful, which comes right before unholy. Now, I don't go to fast food joints much, but when you do, can you remember the last time somebody said a genuine thank you? I can't. You go to that first window, you know, and and you give them a $20 bill, and they have to give you back $11.39. And they're trying to figure out now, wait a minute, what's the computer say? And they hand you the money, and they say, Here, am I accurate? For well, when was the last time somebody counted your chains back to you and said 21 cents makes 9 and 1 is 10 and 10's your 20? Right. When was the last time? Now if it happened, praise God. It doesn't happen much though, does it? Right. So I, I sit there thinking to myself as they say, here. Oh, oh, it's the second window where you say, thank you. We really appreciate your business coming in. Is that what you hear? They stick the bag out. Here, you wanted to catch up? That's what it feels like,
1: right? If they even ask you that at all. Is that right?
0: And you better get out of here quick because i got to wait on the next guy. You with me? Unthankful. Unholy. Tell me we're not living those times. Perilous times. There's what you see, but there's what you know, child of God. Who shall ever separate us from the love of God? Nobody. Not death. Not life. Not principalities. Not powers. Not even, God forbid, if that flag falls. And our grandchildren are serving under another flag. God, don't let it happen. I pray it doesn't. But if not, are you going to serve him anyway? That's the message tonight. Faith's expectation. Now go with me to Hebrews 11. I'll show you a couple things. We'll get out of this. Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to look at a couple of people. Look at verse number 4. By faith... Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. Abel had no idea. All Abel knew was that God required blood. So I'm just going to obey God. And that's why God accepted Abel's sacrifice and not his brother Cain's. It's not because he loved Abel more than Cain. It's not because he was showing favoritism to Abel. It was because Abel was obedient to the command that it takes blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Thank God for his Son shed blood on Calvary. Amen. How about, uh, how about in verse five? By faith, face expectation. He was translated that he should not see death. Why? He was not found because God translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. We could go on and on. Noah, Abraham, and the rest. You see, they were devoted. Hold your finger in Hebrews 11 and go back to Daniel 3. And I want you to see this now. They were devoted, but they were also determined. Face expectation requires not only devotion, church, but it requires determination. Look with me at verse 17 of Daniel 3. They said they were not be careful to answer him in this matter, but verse 17 says, If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. That's pretty interesting. How did they know that? How did they know that? Did you know... That, Jesus Christ, that the name the Son of God is never mentioned in the Bible until Daniel chapter 3. Nobody on earth, not even the Hebrews, ever used the term Son of God. You can check me out. Until Hebrews chapter 3, or Daniel chapter 3, when a heathen king named Nebuchadnezzar looked down into that fire and said, I see a fourth man walking around. And he looks like the Son of God. How did Nebuchadnezzar know he was the Son of God? Nobody had ever used that term before. Because, <laughs> brother, when Jesus shows up, everybody, even the heathen, are going to know. Amen. They're going to mourn when they see him whom they have pierced. Face expectation is being devoted and saying, God's able to deliver us. But if not... I'm saying to you tonight, child of God, you have a burden. Is God able to to deliver you from that burden? You know the answer to that question. Yes, he is. It may seem impossible to you. Your circumstances right now, you may say to me, Brother Ferris, I know God's able. But humanly speaking, it looks impossible. I, I might even agree with you. Humanly speaking, maybe your situation, whatever it may be, child of God,
1: he's able Can You believe that tonight. Amen. Then pray for his deliverance. Right. But add this to your prayer. God, I know you're able to deliver me. But if not, but if not I'm going to serve you. Amen. You know that's what God's looking for. Right. God's not looking for a bunch of robots
0: that wake up in the morning and says, God says, go to church. I will go to church. God says, "Read my Bible." I will read my Bible. God says, "Pray." I want—that's not what God wants. Right?
1: I've been married for forty years. You know what I love about my wife? She tells me she loves me all the time, but she never told me. I don't right? know. And that's what marriage is supposed to be. That's what love is supposed to be. I want her, listen to me, husband. You know I'm telling the truth. And why you know I'm telling the truth. Why does exactly. she want your husband to love you because he chooses to, not because you nag him to death or he gives horrors to. Right. And, and husbands, you want exactly the same thing. Yeah. You want your wife to love you because she chooses to, right. not because she's some wild-up robot and she has to. God wants exactly the same thing for his children. He wants us to serve him. Not just when things are going good or on the mountaintop, but when everything's going bad, and our prayers don't seem to be bouncing off the walls, and it doesn't seem like anything we do is working, and everything seems to be failing right in front of us. What do you do, Brother Ferris? Pray for his deliverance. What if he doesn't deliver? But if not, keep serving him anyway. That's what that that's, right. that's faith. You don't have to look at the verse. Run running out of time. Go back to have to let us go back and look, look at verse 13 sometime. It goes through all those people Noah, Abraham, Moses, Eve, Abel. And notice that we have a read David, Samson, chapter if verse 13 says, these all died not having received God's. That's it. All of these people in the of them died, God had given them. Great prophet, Abraham's. He saw the getting fruits of it. But Abraham never got to live to see the Savior come out of his loins. Isn't it to me? He's all died not having received the promises, but they trusted God anyway. Amen. I'm telling you, church, you're about to be shaken like you've never been shaken before. Any of us can stand on the mountaintop and shout that everything's going good, but show me where you are. When the world is being shaken and your faith is being shaken, are you going to stand there and say, God, but if not, I'm going to serve you anyway? Amen. i take right You know, the sword about God, job I'm And Jesus raised his no And Jesus loved Lazarus. He loved Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. Bethany was a place that Jesus frequented because... with him, and they loved Jesus, and he loved them. They were especially, you might say, to Jesus, Lazarus, very much. And they come running to Jesus and said, Lazarus, is sit the them. Now, we know that Jesus was well able to heal him. Amen? I think that's kind of true. All Jesus, he didn't even have to go to Bethany. All Jesus had to do was think, it, and Lazarus. out of God Jesus Christ Himself. Amen? He chose the way. Lazarus was dead. He said, Lazarus, Not able to deliver you? That's the first question. Yes, he is. And he And you should pray to the gods, and I'll pray with you. But if not, here's the question. But if God chooses
0: not to do the lesser thing, it's because he's going to do the greater thing.
1: We'll just have to be patient. We'll see what greater is. I don't know about you, but I like this greater stuff is lesser stuffs wonderful work that's what the greater stuff is right amen I can prove this time and time again and I will take the time to grow out and I take the stories about God who blessed this ministry And my wife, listen we surrendered this ministry when we were in our fifties. a long time ago the circumstances were not right Young. We've got to go on deputation. We're going to live in people's homes that we don't even know. And, and we don't know what we're going to what's going to come in every, every month. We still go to this day. You live by faith. Uh-huh. And there were times when we weren't sure if we had gas money to even get to the next church, I had to do it, by the Paris. God's able to deliver. But if not, I think I'll just keep going. Amen. God didn't call me to do something, to leave me out here and give me nothing. Right. He didn't call you to Just to watch you starve to death and get some kind of sadistic pleasure out of that. If you believe that, you have no idea the character of our God. That's not the kind of God we serve. He's a loving God, a merciful God. He wants you to have joy and peace. He just filled within himself. And he said, My joy will be given to you. What he said? That your joy might be full. Did it it ever occur? friends, listen to this. You ever think about the people in the New Testament that went through the worst trials the worst storms? Think about it. Think about all the people who all stoned and left to death, right? Wrecked, nearly starved to death, Peter crucified upside down. You think God forgot about those people? I don't think so. God does not do the lesser things because He's greater than be greater than God. But I think that you good that. But God says, God is good within of life. For there have been many a time when my wife and I have prayed and not so much there was any possible positive outcome. Sometimes God will live in run away and ask for to prayer. And brother, we've got to get down on our knees and thank you for that. Amen. Yeah. Remember, Jesus killed the ten lepers and only one came back to give you thanks. You said, I give them up, or, I right. So be grateful and give God the thanks for the answers to prayer. But sometimes God didn't answer Sometimes that can go
0: leads to faith esteemed. You with me, church? God always responds to obedient faith. Look at Daniel three. Look at verse twenty four and twenty five. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counsellors, Did not we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the son of God. And as I said before this period. In Scripture, the term Son of God was never used. How did Nebuchadnezzar, who wasn't even a child of Israel, how did he know that was the Son of God? Because, brother, when Christ reveals himself, the whole world will know. Even the heathen. Now, God responds to obedient faith. I want you to look at this. He rewards obedient faith. Look at verse 30. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. He rewards obedient faith. You don't have to go back to Hebrews 11, but what was the reward for Noah obeying God? His whole house was saved. His children Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their their three wives were saved. Not bad. Oh, Noah was a failure. The rest of the world did. Show me anywhere in the scriptures where Noah was a failure, and I'll show you in Genesis chapter one where God said of Noah. The reason I'm saving you and your family, Noah, is because thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. A wicked generation. Can God say that about you? World's going to hell in a handbasket. United States is falling apart. What about you, friend? Are you still hanging in there being faithful? Well, let's pray God saves America. I'm praying with you. With all of my heart, I want God to save America. you got to be kidding me. I have ten grandchildren. You think I want them to see what's coming, serving under another flag? I don't think so. But if not, I think I'm just going to give my grandchildren the example we're going to trust him anyway. You with me, church? Faith esteemed. He rewards obedient faith as you saw them promoted in verse 30. And lastly, he's revered. God is revered when we obey by faith. Look at verse 27. And the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men, upon whose bodies they had no power, nor was an hair of their head's sins, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies, that they might not serve nor worship any god. Except their own God. You see, there's what you see, and there's what you know.
1: Friend, if you're saying tonight, you're telling me that you believe in a God in For your eternal salvation. None of you were there when he was born in Bethlehem, neither was I. Nor do we know anybody who None of us were there when he raised Lazarus to the dead. None of us were there, nor was I, when he was. Nails and over the cross all the way there. Don't know anybody who was there. Rose together the the dead. You're telling me you trust your soul's salvation, your entire eternity, in the Savior whom you've never met. Amen. My hands up my smelly years ago. Amen. It's just trusting. next thing I'm looking at, They would put us in this world, but it's not know so this. And I'm going to battle, I'm going to push. pushing it. so it's not going to hurt. So you would say to me. Thank you, God is able to pray for you. But also know and decide and determine the voice in if he doesn't answer my prayer in that faith. I'm going to serve.